Hi, and welcome to Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast, highlighting artists, teachers, authors, and philanthropists of the regenerative movement, people who are committed to and showcase qualities of planetary leadership. My name is Julian Guderlei. I'm committed to a world that allows people from all walks of life to thrive. I'm your host and creator of Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast. And in today's episodes, my guests are James and Sean, creators of Breathe. Breathe is a UK-based brand which has set out to solve one of the key environmental problems with air purification devices, the filters. And so current air purifiers use a combination of glass fibers and plastic. Once they reach the end of their life cycle, typically within six to eight months, uh, they are disposed of and head straight to the landfill. As a society, we use 6,000 tons of those filters each year, which take a millennia to decompose. And Breathe air filter is made with 100% biodegradable filters and manufactured with 90% natural and recyclable materials, such as bioplastic made from elephant grass. As an organization, Breve and its parent company, Five Create, aim to create innovations in traditionally carbon-heavy industries and marketplaces to reduce environmental impact as much as possible and set the standard for eco-design and eco-manufacturing. So with these words, I'm really excited for a conversation about the future of innovative design. Hi, James. Hi, Sean. Hey, yeah, thanks for having us. That's good. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I really like what you created with Brief. I think it's a it's a fantastic way to, you know, challenge industries to just become much more biodegradable and much more natural in the process and, and, and simply just challenge the way we're producing. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I mean that's uh, that's what we're about really, it's just changing the way people perceive product the way products are designed, especially uh, with consumer electronics, really. Yeah, really cool. Tell us a little bit about, you know, the, the story behind Brief. So um, there, there is a parent company, Five Create, and then at some point you, you realize, okay, air filters is what we're going to hone in on. And uh, why is that? And like, what's exciting about air filters? And, and ultimately, like, how did you, you know, find elephant grass to be one of those materials to use? Well, yeah, okay, right. So, um, I mean, originally we started Five Create as a design consultancy to, to try and um tackle sustainable side of design so we want to just really home in on uh, on on sustainability um and and help companies design better sustainable products um and we have we we started off uh, about a year ago doing that kind of thing um around the same time we were looking at um what more we could do um and we know that there's only so much that um people can do because before we run this company we run a, a another design agency for like about 10 10 years or so um and there we we obviously worked for a lot many many companies and we know the restrictions and the limitations there is um from a from a design standpoint so a lot of companies will short out on the sustainable side of things to get a more profitable product so that was something that we very conscious of and it was something that we noticed was starting to happen in the what we were doing with this agency as well even though we were focused very much on the sustainable side of things so we knew we had to go further we had to go deeper really um and get to the root of the problem and and it's really to prove that it can be done so that's where we sort of started thought well we could probably um make our own product and we know how it's done we know the processes we know how to get it made and these kind of things and by us doing it we would create have full control um mm -hmm. and, and create like the perfect sustainable product almost mm -hmm. like push the boundaries of what's available and and it takes a lot longer it turns out and this is one of the things that uh, we've learned through this whole process is uh, really pushing it to the to the way it needs to be um, is, a, is a really long, it takes a lot longer than it would do developing a, a, a normal air filter kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it was something, um, air filtration was originally identified as uh, an area of interest um, because everyone uh, lives in lives in smaller homes, uh, especially in Europe anyway, uh, houses are, are becoming smaller. And the also the, um, the building techniques are, are improving and that means there's less airflow there's less good air um internal pollutants in in, in the home environment um are potentially quite dangerous really uh, and they can reach quite dangerous levels uh, just from cleaning and cooking and these kind of things so we sort of thought was there's a chance here to improve people's um 
people's health as well as creating the product. So this is something that people actually need. Uh, it's not something that they use buy on a whim kind of thing. Totally. Um, and then we were looking at, so we're looking at air filters and, and it came out that the, the HEPA filters, especially because as you say, they're made of uh, plastics and fiberglass and they can't be recycled. They just, there's no way. Once you combine those two things, there's nothing you can do with uh, once it's been spun. Uh, this, this, that's it, and it doesn't biodegrade because it is, it's a, it's a glass fiber, and then it also breaks down into pretty horrendous particles. Oh, as well. that's the thing. Yeah, yeah, they they break down into microplastics and and all these kind of yeah things that you don't really want in the environment. And it just seems really unnecessary. And and the really interesting thing is HEPA filters were designed in um, the fifties, um, so there's there's very little innovation, and it's just because it's the go-to, it's the easy thing to do. Totally. So, we we were like well we we can we can have a look at this and we were looking at a few um, scientific studies from universities and and they were sort of touting the the use of moss as an, an air filtration system um, so we thought well let's let's just start combining it and see where we get to so um, after about a year of development uh, and playing around with various things um, it turns out you need more than just moss um, <laughs> moss does some of the work but you need a bit more than that yeah. It looks um, good, but yeah, it just yeah, needs a bit of help. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so we use the moss as like a as a pre filter now, and um, it, we use coconut, um, uh, carbon uh, viscose, and uh, we've settled on silk uh, as well as a silk, well, it's a protein of silk, so um, and cotton and and fat. and then combined those things and create the create the air filter. Um, so there's all all the disposable parts are 100% biodegradable is what we were aiming for. Um, and then the the actual, but we thought we would push it further as well because some you know you could say like oh well the, the filters are biodegradable that's fine, um, but we pushed it further and said the body the the actual physical breathe itself um, we want that to have as little impact as possible because we know I mean you, you see all the time like products are a center landfill and even with the best intentions of being um, recyclable and reusable in some way, they don't, they have to get there, you know? So we've just assumed work on the, the, the case that not everything's recycled. So biodegradability is like the, the better route to go down. Um, and that's where we were looking for bioplastics and we, looked at existing bioplastics and a lot of them are very limited. So even like the PLAs that um, like your food containers are made out of, they're, mm. they're not the best thing because they do break down um, into microplastics and there's a lot of unknown science behind them. Um, so we thought mm -hmm. we'll push it further. And again, it's not great for a consumer product because people want it to look good and they want it to last a long time. So PLA you leave outside or you put it in the windowsill and the sun will break it down and destroy it for you. So yeah. um, we've used this uh, plastic that's from uh, the Netherlands, uh, and primarily it's built from elephant grass, uh, which is which is really really great. So it actually absorbs um, carbon as it grows, and then they they cut it down and then uh, use their wizardry to turn it into a plastic that we can use um and you can actually see it in the in the as a fiber in the yeah in the finished product which is it looks really nice like gold yeah. flex um yeah, yeah the, the elephant grass itself it, it grows to like well over 10 foot uh and so the crop yield is really really good for that particular crop yeah. and it's also grown in fields where uh, you can't actually grow food so it's grown in really low nutrient environments um and it also replenishes nutrients back into the soil as it decomposes and it's breaking down yeah um, elephant grass is one of those power plants that's for sure yeah algae yeah, really elephant grass maybe hemp yeah there's there's bamboo there there's a few of those that the carbon drawdown process that giving nutrients back to the soil yeah very exciting yeah mm. so that's that i mean i suppose that's it in a nutshell really yeah um, <laughs> no i'm ex i'm excited to hear you know not just your intention but then also the follow-through and this like powerful way to create um you know from more like the design perspective and like having worked with so many companies before there's like wow things aren't really changing fast enough and i think this is something that you know like um our generation and younger i i, I guess there's quite a bit of frustration because as consumers like yeah we want affordable or cheap and we want um, something that's pretty and just works but but really like at the same time 
it, it's like companies are still producing too much crap just to put it really briefly and, yeah and yeah. so that thought process of really saying okay so anything we're creating even if it's an air filter like what what is the innovation behind it and you said it like the air filters the hepa filters we know come from the 1950s um now that's not long ago some might say but it's it's pretty long ago <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> measuring yeah. it against one human lifetime and so um yeah the, we're we're kind of you know peeking out of this this oil and plastic age um and and first step i believe is you know plant-based plastics and bioplastics and What's the receptivity been so far? I, I know you, you've, you've, you know, your professionals are running crowdfunding campaigns to really get something off the ground to give it the uh, support of marketing and give people like a nice deal right to start. And you had a very successful Kickstarter and Indiegogo campaign. Um, how's how's all that going? Is it very UK based or is that like a right away kind of a global phenomenon? Uh, it's it's been it's been fantastic. I mean, there's there's campaigns that have obviously raised much more than we've ever we've mm. raised but in terms of what we're doing and, and getting the word out there and i mean our our main goal originally was just to prove that it can be done and to show what can be achieved you know if you really put your mind to it so to see that it, we've had um great reception from the us um and uh, south america has been really good as well india's had a really really positive um because um reaction to it we've always been speaking with people who want to buy it and sort of help to sell it on a wider scale in in india um because obviously their air pollution problems are, are huge out there that's a much much worse problem than it is um in the western world um and their only option is these hepa filters so it's to be able to have an option now because they there was no option really before that you've got you've got disposable stuff that's made out of plastic or Yeah, so really. is the yeah. is the brief scalable also to like a larger kind of environment in the sense of like you know if i if i think of um air filters in a large industrial scale i, I mean they're they're not really table sized right so is is that part of of the the journey of brief yeah yeah i mean this we wanted to start um start small basically um and there's a few reasons we've started with the the small units and and that's partly because it's a it's a lower entry level component to get into so a smaller unit isn't going to um require us to fund for like millions of pounds uh, it means we can raise um a hundred thousand and achieve the same we can get a working product to get it in front of people and say what do you think to we this? can we can develop that base technology that, yes. that we can then implement to larger units yes yeah. well. and that's what we have done we've, we've developed yeah. we've I mean, we started off with using wool inside the, the filter, but since we've funded and we've, we managed to redevelop mm. that part and improve it and completely remove uh, that whole component, because it was—it's another thing that using animal products is is still very resource heavy. So we can get away from that kind of thing as well. Um, we've we've gone for that. So yeah, removing that that element and switching mm. it out for like the um, the silk protein that we. We're, we're using is really good um hmm. yeah beautiful i think you know we could dig into the entire supply chain there and like understand also yeah. like how scalable is moss you know how scalable is it if, if like hundreds of millions yeah. of people were to use it um hmm. but i, I want to actually return first to just this this onset this like the way you you all started you know it's It's exactly that attitude that I think the world requires a lot more of, and so I want to I want to understand at Five Create, you know, as you like we're launching Breathe, what um what kind of kind of team atmosphere is there that you all have this desire and this ambition to say, you know what, let's just show that it's possible. Yeah, really. I mean, I've always said that um, with this business, uh, with this what we're doing now, I want to change the world. We've got to change the world. That's mm. that's. And when you, you you set a target like that, uh, you think differently. You think, well, okay, how are we going to do that? And you stop thinking the sort of small mindset um, that we used to have, because um, it's a huge problem. And it's like, how can a small team of people if affect change on a wide scale? Um, so everything we do, we always take a step back. It's like, what impact is going to have, um, and and how can we how can we make it? You know, have have a have a 
a larger impact on mm. on people's lives um or not necessarily directly impacting their lives because they might not even know it i mean this is this is one of the things that comes back to with um good design really is is trying to impact a change without them knowing so they'll be saving the planet and they don't even know because it's just they'll just be you know using a great product um but at the same time it's just a it's, it's you know 100% sustainable so that's kind of what we're trying to um trying to facilitate i mean yeah maybe mm. the, the new normal really right exactly yeah yeah that's yeah. pretty much it yeah yeah, yeah very, um, very beautiful no go ahead please yeah sure um I just got completely lost. <laughs> you lost your That's all right. That's all right. We, we can pick it back up. So um, I, I have another question. The question would be around, you know, you, you spoke about landfills earlier and, mm. and trash in general. And so I want to know from you both, um, what's your, your feeling and your thinking around the big picture of trash on the planet and, and what's going on there? Mm. Yeah, so I'm, I'm really passionate about this because I've... Um, I do a lot of research. I'm I'm very much uh, engaged in. Um, I really go really go to, into a lot of detail. Yeah. Mm. Um, and landfill is one of those things. It's it, it's shocking what is thrown away, and it's worse what's incinerated. Actually, I, I find, and it's what's what's classed as acceptable to incinerate, and what's classed as recyclable, and then is incinerated afterwards. So yeah. um, one of the great examples. Um, of this is um, PV UPVC windows, for instance. Uh, I, I don't know what it's like in other parts of the world, but uh, definitely here in the UK, it, it's plastic windows are, are the way things are, are done now. Mm -hmm. um, and as an industry as a whole, it's declared that, like I think they say, like between eighty percent of this stuff is recycled, uh, which means they take it out of your house and they go and recycle it. Um, and what that really means is um, they take it away and then it gets put into a recycling supply chain. Um, they dust their hands of it and say, well, it's been recycled now. And what actually happens is um, maybe 30% of that gets recycled. The rest gets incinerated because nobody wants it and no one can do anything with it. Um, so all that then becomes a, a pollutant. But the company thinks they're doing a great job because they're being recycled, they're being conscious and they're recycling things. Um, but at the same time, they won't buy um, recycled windows. For instance, they won't use the recycled material that they are putting out into the world because it doesn't give us a good a finish. It doesn't give us a good a product for the end user. So it's, mm. it's tougher to work with for them. Mm -hmm. So there's a real there's a real problem. Uh, yeah, there's a real problem really that causes more waste um, than there really should be. Um, so that's a real, and it's a, it's a real challenge, that one. Um, and it's something that why, and it's another reason that we aimed for biodegradability over recyclability for, for all the things, because it's recycling and things is great, but the reality is a lot of it ends up in landfill and it could just mm. be a landfill in a different country. Um, uh, the waste is shipped. I know in the UK it's, it's shipped from. Oh, it's, that's a very global story. Yeah. And I'm getting like, uh, you know, <laughs> I call them uh, truth bumps. It's yeah. when, when you get goosebumps, but you know, it's like either, either beautifully true or uncomfortably so. And you know, what you're sharing is, yeah. um, it's, it's a really big topic actually that we, we just like to believe things are fine because I put it in the recycling bin and, you know, I, I grew up in Germany and I, I live in Canada. And so those are two countries that are very proud of their recycling programs. But if you look <laughs> a little closer, you know, and if you look a little deeper, um, maybe we don't have to feel ashamed because you know that doesn't help either but like let's just keep going and let's keep iterating and let's keep evolving this process because really the last 150 years like humanity has created more um long-term trash and garbage than than ever before and one of the reasons why i asked this question is because for me you know i, I had the, the big pleasure to interview um ron garen who was a nasa astronaut for 170 days and and more actually and <laughs> For me, what stood out from that interview so much is like he he basically shared like there is no away, there is no throwing away. Like if you see planet Earth from outer space, you realize like this idea of oh well, just put it away. 
yeah. <laughs> it, it's completely it's completely bogus like there's no there's no logic that can actually meet you there and so um you know biodegradability uh i think is is basically superseding or like beyond the idea of trash itself because it's not being put away it's just we understand that there's a next process in the chain of you know the carbon cycle and 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 the, the material cycle on the planet Mm-hmm. yeah yeah 100 percent. yeah i completely agree with that yeah yeah so really um and on the biodegradability side of things i mean it's it's one thing that we always uh aim for and it's to have things come from the biosphere uh, i don't know if you're familiar with that kind of uh terminology so, so absolutely it's, yeah yeah please so elaborate it's super exciting for everyone <laughs> listening it's it's you know one of the things and before you go they don't don't forget what you were about to say I think it's really important for us to just keep going nerd out deeper on like what's <laughs> what's real and what's next because you know the way the way things are going right now is it's not entirely um bad but it's just like there's a lot of work to do on this planet to uh, allow humans and humanity to become the keystone species we are and not just the destructive species that that we have yeah. been. Yeah, I agree completely. Yeah. So um yeah, the, so when we I know there's a lot of talk about using product from the biosphere and, and, and this kind of thing, but it's actually, it's what we try and achieve is make sure the, the, the raw materials, they come from the biosphere. And that means that they can return back, back into the biosphere and nothing extra has been added, really. It's just been, it's taken from a grown source and it returns as a nutrient. So that's why, why we all yeah. want it with the elephant grass and these kind of things. So it's completely different to taking it from the uh, lithosphere, which is where you obviously mine um, materials, you pull oils out of the out of the ground, and then you add those to the biosphere, and then it's it's all out of out of balance. Um, so, and that's that's really that's really where we've got to change. We've just got to change this mentality that the products can use everything from the biosphere. They don't have to use the easy route which is just using um plastics and mm. you know traditional petroleum based um goods that again then can't be recycled and they have to be incinerated and then you know i mean it ends up in the biosphere but not in the way that we want uh, <laughs> it just floats around for years and years or ends up buried um, yeah. which is complete waste but at the same time how you create the uh the bioplastics is also quite uh, you, you have to pay close attention to where it's grown, um, like and where it's going to be actually produced and turned into a bioplastic, um, and how sustainable is that that farming operation? Um, could that land have been used for agriculture instead, growing food? Um, yeah, there's a lot more. Mm. Yeah. And it's a real challenging conversation as well, because I know uh, it's uh, it's easy for me to sit here and sell you. It's, it's, it would just take everything from the biosphere, but. Uh, it's a it's a challenge as well because if the if society as a whole carries on consuming in the way that it does, um, the biosphere just isn't capable of supporting that that level of um, construction or that level of produce. So I mean, this isn't the reason. One of the reasons that you know humans have pulled stuff from the and from the um, lithosphere to start with is because. There is, there's no way that nature can meet that demand. So it has to be a, um, as an element of consumerism has to change as well to, yeah. to buy less product almost. Uh, sales sounds bad as a person selling it, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the products have to last longer or they have to have second uses or, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, it's, we, we are sitting at, this place in our history where it's it's very obvious that the planet can't support everyone living like a U.S. American. However, the planet has enough resources and enough, um, you know, uh, gen- genius elements to it that it can support so many of us and even more than we have here right now. If we learn to live in harmony with nature and if we learn to, you know, acknowledge our role in that in the in this chain of species in that sense, right? So we. Um, and that will that will definitely include changing the way we treat soil, changing the way we treat the biosphere, and the way we pull things out of the ground. Um, that's why I think it's so important to have these conversations at this point in time, and like consistently shine a light on all of the people that are either 
trying and giving their best or are inventing um, new solutions because really like nothing stops us to gradually evolve into a, a form of um, capitalism or consumerism that that isn't as heavy on the planet right now i mean we could talk about if it if it would make sense to even evolve beyond that and create a different system altogether um but but i think even staying within what we're knowing so far it's it's simply it's simply really learning fast from from what's been going on and so let me let me maybe ask a question for the two of you like how do you choose optimism every day regularly when you meet up as, as five create when you when you come together as brief team like how does optimism get infused into your process? Because sometimes for some people, this world looks really like doom and gloom. And I personally don't love that narrative either, but I, I'm always curious to know um, where does the optimism come from for you both? Yeah, so, I mean, knowing that we can actually make a difference, um, that's, that's kind of like why that's the drive, isn't it? That's the drive. You know, yeah. it's knowing that there is there is something that can be done, and that we are doing it. Um, no, yeah. Otherwise, I mean, yeah, it would just be. I mean, that's why we that's why we changed uh, track from what we were doing because it was just very much why we you know we you are look at damaging the world. Yeah, you look at something yeah. and it's like, well, that was that was terrible. Why have we done that? Um, and it was a bit, you know, it was because you you just sort of get into the mindset of, well, it's a job. You know, if we do it, do it to that's how that's what we do we make we make products and things and it's like well actually now we're we are part of that problem you know um so now knowing that we are using the powers that we have of like being able to create products i mean because it's, it's a fairly niche skill that not everybody knows um or, or has but we're using that to actually change the way it's done and actually create things that aren't as destructive and show people that it you know you don't have to you know, there are other options it just takes a bit more effort um that that, that really drives us um, yeah. i mean we only look at now we only look at new products that are you know it's like what more can we do what what more mm -hmm. um like some other products we're looking at they're all very much based around um just removing removing plastics from product um making fully biodegradable uh, devices all these kind of things and it's really it's exciting because nobody's really doing it yet and we can't we can never understand why we look at something and it's like why isn't this why is this like this you know or it's um, or the claim is it's just been greenwashed yeah um, that's it that's the worst thing as well yeah when people lie about sustain having sustainable products or stuff that's recyclable that then is just incinerated it's this that's the worst sort of stuff for us but knowing that we're not contributing to that and people will buy this and buy the things we, that we make and you know that, that's that keeps us going <laughs> yeah it gets the optimism going well let's talk about greenwashing and just like the the practices of like you know making things look better than they are for a bit here because i think if i look at it from from my personal lens one of the biggest things that could change is the education or the understanding at point of purchase where, you know, like in, I remember in, in Europe at some point, and it's, it's actually probably the same year, I, I don't eat meat anymore, so I wouldn't know. But I remember back in the day when in Germany, they introduced product labels for meat. So you would understand everything that meat had uh, to, to be grown, if it's, you know, grain or if it's grass fed or whatever. And then like, where is it from? And like, um, et cetera, et cetera. So at the point of purchase, you saw all of that actually before you made your decision now I, I guess most people still made their decision based on price but simply because of economic affordability but at the, at the very minimum i was completely aware of it now yeah that is still not the case for most products if we look at let's say um patagonia one of the the legends in the you know eco pioneering space you know that if you buy a patagonia jacket you're not buying a 300 dollars jacket you know you're supporting a movement and an equality that is behind those three hundred dollars or or more, right? You you know that you're supporting a chain of connectivity and a chain of authenticity that that really um, that's behind it. And so I think mostly we're just not aware of this as consumers. And it seems to me like there's a huge, um, yeah, like a huge possibility to to really get 
millions or even even hundreds of millions of consumers onto that that page and the direction to say look we need to um, legislate that no matter what you're buying you're aware of the the, the carbon impact the the environmental impact and just a chain of you know you said it like including recycling like it, it just sounds too good but it, the reality is once anyone who's looked into that knows exactly what you're saying like it, it basically doesn't it doesn't look as glory as glorified once you look behind the curtain what's your guys' opinion on that i'm really curious to know because you know it, it and i see that you're in that topic every day so it, it's exciting yeah yeah um because we were talking about that earlier it's like it's it's so hard to educate masses um mm. our take on it has, has been always to try and yeah, like what we said, what James said earlier about doing it without them physically knowing about it. So mm. they they just end up, they're kind of guided towards this better life, better uh, way of purchasing mm. without knowing it. Um, but you are definitely right. Um, if, if products did have all those, all that information on them, it, it would make life uh, a lot better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel there's like, there's a stigma attached with, um sustainable products as well i don't know i don't it's still it feels quite dated where i think but it feels mm. there is this kind of like hi it's it's a green product so that's wishy-washy it's, it's not sub, for me yeah it's substandard uh, yeah it's not, that's as, it. not, it's as, not good. as good yeah yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's biodegradable so that means it'll it'll this it will fall apart on me you know it's won't, it won't be as good a quality that's this kind of thing yeah um whereas that's not the case at all um so it's, it's very, I mean, we try, I mean, we've been on the both ends of this, trying to sell the products as sustainable. Um, and the people are still, it, it, at the end of the day, people are still buying, um, in this case, like air filters, you know, they're still buying, they still want a quality air filter. The fact that it's biodegradable and sustainable is still a secondary thing. So to move people's, perception to make that the primary um purchasing decision that's a real that's a real struggle um i don't know as if we'll ever really achieve that goal because it's it, from a consumer psychology side of things i mean people are very sort of very sort of self-centered really at the end of the day they'll they'll look at um how it benefits them we want people to how how does this benefit the planet that should be the that should be the goal like how why is this why is this good but then that's that's our responsibility as designers to to ensure that it, it fulfills their needs so it, it's like help it's good for their health that's great that's what they want yeah but then it's our responsibility to make sure that it doesn't destroy the planet after they're after they're done with fulfilling their needs i think this is the this is the big challenge mm -hmm. uh, a lot of um and this is kind of why recycling doesn't work in a lot of ways, because that's the designer saying, here's, here's the thing for you. It's not my problem anymore. You, it's on you to recycle it. It's your responsibility to go and make sure the world's a better place. But that works great as long as everyone's thinking like that. But the reality is they don't. So again, this is, yeah, mm -hmm. that's why sort of biodegradability is a better course of action than a recyclable course of action that requires someone to do something because if you just like well they don't they don't have to worry about it they, they are they are helping the planet without even knowing it um there's been some interesting stuff just linking back to the the things on the product labels and uh this is something i thought was has been a uh, a great idea i'm not a big fan of paying more tax or anything like that and I, no, no one i don't think anyone is but um the idea of a plastic tax <laughs> and that's um plastic you know a, a tax that's placed on uh, the plastics that are used in the same way as uh, as like same way as petroleum is uh, in as an incentive to push uh, the manufacturers of plastic items to be like oh wow maybe we won't make out of plastic because it, again it, 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 consumers then will be like well that costs more that's made out of plastics this biodegradable one that's cheaper so I'll I'll purchase that instead and then that will force the manufacturers to change so there's an element of it can come from the top, but it has to be done in the right sort of way. Um, 
yeah, yeah it's, i think it people seems to be like a two-way street yeah yeah it's, it has to come yeah. like from the bottom up and from the top down yeah yeah definitely yeah yeah mm. yeah but consumers because they at the end of the day not everyone has control over you know what water comes in plastic bottles i mean how are you going to get water you know there's yeah. only so many ways it's going to happen isn't it so <laughs> without somebody affecting change at the base level and saying well we're going to make that bottle out of bioplastic and then it gives the consumer the choice but without anyone making those decisions and, and well, as long as it comes in a, an acceptable cost for low-income families and mm, yeah it has to be the cost doesn't it mm. Right. That's that's another way to look at it, though, is like the true cost. Um, actually, he's also in the UK. I, I talked to the CEO of True Cost, actually a company, um, Richard Madison, a little while ago. And tr True Cost maps out the true environmental impact and costs and then also kind of ties it back in to the, the economical costs, which often is actually much, much higher than the $2.99 that you're buying something for if you were to consider the entire chain of impact that something has, which again kind of brings us back to this idea of like what if labels were to change so they include that kind of level of information so you know even though you're buying it for 2.99 the actual cost would be um i don't know 50 dollars because you know you're actually creating a chain of of problems going forward for our ecosystem and this is something very interesting that, that you just pointed out there is like people are selfish for themselves but they don't care about the planet quite yet in our you know the stage of consciousness or evolution our species is at and I do think we're at a pivotal kind of, you know, threshold point there where a lot of people are starting to get this. Um, but it brings me back to the, the, the conversation with, with Ron Guerin, the astronaut. Mm. From a certain perspective, we are the planet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're all a part of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we're, we're very much a part of it. So let me ask a similar question in a, in a different way. And I just want to go like deeper because I, I like the, the way you both are thinking and you know, that just your passion around that topic. So what do you think it would take for humanity as a large to learn from past mistakes, to look at past mistakes and be like, oh, yep, no, we totally did this. Uh, moving on, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I really think, I think there's a lot of, um, I really think it's just education, like from, from a large standpoint. From a larger point because it's you you can't you can't know where you're going unless you know where you've been sort of mentality so it's it's great to have someone lay out the the vision of sustainability and and um say i you know we need to, we need to cut carbon emissions or we need to reduce the the way we, we're using plastics and these kind of things but unless someone lays it out and, and gives you a roadmap it's very difficult and I think a lot of normal you know I mean I say I say this from a designer standpoint a lot, a lot of regular people don't engage with products in the, the level of detail that we do um, so that it's trying to educate them that the way things were done isn't isn't the best and the way thing you know like the just the perceptions around recycling again and the way the way the way things have been done historically are different to the way things can be done in the future and they don't have to cost anything extra um to uh, you know in terms of consumer price concerns and it can just be a better it can just be a better um so where would that education happen? Would that be at, at school, or would that be just now? Like, yeah, I, I think it's. I think it's beyond school. I think it's. Because like, I was, I was never taught anything. Yeah, well, close I don't to think sustainability. People, people aren't taught about product, are they? No. I mean, this is the problem with sort of the consumer society: is, is products are, are put in front of us, and, and we're told to buy. Um, in order to generate revenues and, and yeah. make sure the world keeps on turning, you know. Um, what an interesting metaphor though sorry just to jump in there like the world keeps <laughs> turning because we're consuming like it, it just doesn't really actually make sense i, I definitely got the same kool-aid myself but it's you know it's like the world turns around the sun and the sun turns around a black hole and i don't think any nation country or economic leader ever did anything for that <laughs> that just happens yes. right yeah yeah 
yeah i mean there's it's a great we were in a great time because there are more and more people switching on to this i mean when we started designing products 10 years ago the conversation around sustainability was very different i mean if you made something that was by um uh recyclable that was that was all you needed to do you know uh, whereas now there are more options available like there are bioplastics out there there are options available um it's just it's just making people aware that there are more options than just um stuff that you can you have to buy and throw away you know and then it, it does it does harm the planet um i mean you mentioned patagonia it's great but the larger co- it does take the large companies taking notice because mm. they've got the advertising power to tell the world and to to educate the people it needs to be taught through products it can't just be taught in a school because it's it's you know it needs to be action needs to happen now really mm. yeah absolutely and maybe there is you know a very vital piece in, in what we're we're kind of brainstorming here in this um i call it the the renaissance because <laughs> the, the word sustainable actually i i do believe is, is quite misleading because like what is it that we're actually wanting to sustain like you know the way we've been doing things or like i mean i get it that the, the planet and its biosphere is is technically what we're trying to sustain but I, i believe the word sustainable has been greenwashed too much for people to even trust or believe it yeah. um and so regenerative is kind of the way nature does things in you know the, the cycle of the seasons the cycle of the decades etc and so when i think of what we really need it's it's a modern renaissance the the, the regenerance right and so maybe that is a, a very big big piece that you know consumers uh, all around the world can can continue to put pressure on is big brands that are not ready to lead yeah yeah who are not ready to say you know what we totally got it now like mm-hmm. I'll, i'll make an, another example a little bit more more infamous um h&m for example you know they keep they keep advertising as a, a conscious sustainable <laughs> label yeah. meanwhile even even the, the items under their conscious sustainable label are completely not regenerative or, or sustainable yeah right yeah. and and so it's like Wow, so you're using the power of marketing and your access to hundreds of millions of people to just continue to brainwash them into believing that they're now doing a good thing with you. Yeah. Now, if we look back at that from and it's already funny between the three of us, but like if we look back at that in 20 years from now, we'll be like, "Wow. That's yeah. like border, borderline evil. Like you you guys really didn't get the message." <laughs> and so I think that's another huge piece where there's some kind of pressure to the leadership and brands is to say, "Look, if you want to If you want to be part of this of of, of this renaissance, you, you got to actually co-create it with us. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, a really it's a really good point, and it's yeah, I couldn't agree more. Really, That's yeah, amazing. absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me let me hear. I have an, one more question for you for you both, and I'd love to hear both of you to answer it. Let, let me hear your personal um, like quotation marks renaissance dream. So. The way I ask this question is is really like inspired by um, wh- where I live on Vancouver Island, and you know just the the indigenous and native energy that is very present here, more present than other places in the world that I've lived. And and so my question is a seven generational question. If we were to zoom out on the timeline of planet Earth right now, beyond our individual lifetime, and and you know we were to just share with each other our dream for the planet, our dream for our species what's what's in your what's in both of you like what's the dream that's in there that you're like i really i really hope we can you know be those ancestors for the future yeah well for me like biodiversity so seven generations in the future we're going to have to reintroduce all of the rainforests we've destroyed all the habitats and everything and uh completely regenerate the world um so going forward consumerism has to allow that So all of the products that we create um, have to feed into biodiversity uh, to to help that all be sustainable and be regenerative. Otherwise, yeah, we are just sustaining, which is not good enough. We need to regenerate. So yeah, it, my my hopes are that we can we can do that. We can make our products from diverse uh, materials, from uh, not just produced like loads of palm palm oil trees that just rip out uh, rainforests and we just focus on one thing we can't do that we need to yeah we need to diversify 
all of our products and work in harmony with with nature um yeah 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 i mean for me i mean it, it's i would uh, i've gotten quite a pessimistic view on things because <laughs> i've come from very sort of corporate environments and i've seen the worst of people in things so i would love to see not just because i think people would change if if the larger companies would change so i would i would like to see like uh the, the large companies taking taking note of what what can be achieved mm. right now and knowing that they are they are as responsible as as us as consumers as well um and it would be nice to see more more large brands coming onto the idea um and and then then being them helping drive change so that we that future generations you know they can they can just exist in a world that doesn't incinerate um products that are supposed to be recycled or you know they 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 work they they don't have these problems they they have oceans that aren't full of plastics and mm. and these kind of things that really it's like why has that even happened you know in essence yeah. i mean it's like yeah so leaving a future that isn't worse than when we found it <laughs> is is a hell of a challenge but it is one that i'm not afraid to to sort of take on and try and and try and you know undo some of the terrible decisions that previous generations have made and again it's not their fault i'm not pointing the finger at anyone i mean i was saying this earlier that um we know them a lot more than we did before so before like 50 years ago they didn't really know what environmental impact anything was having they were just they were just living their lives you know they're just doing the best living the best lives they could but now we know now we know what damage is can be done so carrying on to do so is is just negligence really so yeah so i think um in the future it'd be nice to know that this generation wasn't looked back on and, and be like well those guys did that and they knew they were destroying the planet you know there's at least you can look back and be like well you know that's where change started to happen and and hopefully we'll still be existing seven generations time yeah, <laughs> yeah. absolutely Ch challenge accepted to turn turn the ship around you know and um you said it like a lot of the realities we are facing now but you know, also from an infrastructure perspective, I think it's very obvious they're inherited from past generations. Mm. You know, we, we, we grow up in a world that we call normal and that's just how it is. But really, like the, the choices and decisions and agreements from past generations is what is present with us now. And so um, some of that was just made from a very different perspective of consciousness. You know, like no one, no one who was born in 19, let's say, 85 or after or like 1990 and after. Um, really sees the world as separate nation states in its essence most people in the 90s and later are like no we're all interconnected we're on the internet and i can travel <laughs> yeah. and so these things have become normality right that that really changes our consciousness um, at large well thank you so much for your time uh, you know both of you james and sean i, I loved i loved your perspective I, I love what you're doing with breathe and with five create um where can people find the breathe um and how long is the indiegogo still running yeah, so um, they can jump onto Indiegogo and just uh, type in Breathe. Um, I'll link it out for sure too, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's cool, that's great. Um, and then um, the, the Indiegogo is going to run until we start shipping them out in February time uh, of, of next year. And then mm. um, people will just be able to buy them straight on our website. And hopefully there'll be a few distributors pick it up as well. And there'll be a few select stores around that will stock it um but yeah but primarily online yeah. cool cool I, I have one last question then and that's um what what do you what can you both um maybe you know share even though i know this is all about breathe and and biodegradable products in regards to air filters but for five create now that mm -hmm. you've made this first challenge and this first jump what's next like what's on the horizon that's like really exciting for you well <laughs> this is this is great stuff so we're we're basically we're working on four products at the moment and uh a few of them are in um the air improving people's air quality um and some of it's just uh looking at the future of 
the way the world is going to be. So some of the products we've got are slated to come out in 2022. Um, it's all about cutting the energy that's used. So products that exist now, um, again, we're building on technology that's um, 20 years old, 30 years old with like um, refrigerants and things like that, removing it, all the dangerous chemicals in those and then creating products that are use less energy and uh, outperform uh, existing existing stuff. And a lot of this we can do because people are supporting us with, with Brief. Um, so we funnel all of everything we make back into new product development. We're not just, a, oh, we're making some money out of this. We're gonna walk away. We have got, uh, we've got a lot of ideas and we're gonna keep uh, attacking um, the problems as we see them in products across all, all ranges that we've just chosen. Yeah. Um, air quality is the major one because that's where, um, you know, we've got CO2 problems right now. I mean, there's carbon dioxide in the atmosphere is a lot higher than it used to be. So there's a major problem that we're, yeah. we're aiming to tackle as well. So there's a lot of different, um, a lot of different things we're working on. It's going to be really, keep an eye out for next year because well, that one's coming out next year. And then we've got another one in 22. So <laughs> Awesome. Let's keep our eyes, uh, you know, right on what Five Creators is, is, is doing and, and just the innovation and design that really, um, I'm so with you guys. That's that's what's needed. Thank you so much, James. Thank you so much, Sean. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah. That's been thank you very much. Yeah. I hope you truly enjoyed this one. You took some insights away, something you can apply for your own life, or something you want to share with a friend. If you truly enjoy Green Planet Blue Planet podcast, the episodes I make, and the guests and interview partners I feature, make sure to subscribe. Leave a review on the podcast on your favorite app on Spotify or Apple Podcast. Share it with a friend. And if you feel inspired, make sure to support this podcast. There are plenty of ways to get in touch with me. Leave a monthly recurring financial support on anchor.fm or simply in the show notes of this episode, wherever you're tuning into. This podcast is really just about to get started featuring, showcasing, and gathering some of the most badass planetary change makers that are making this the regenerative decade on planet Earth. Wherever you are in the world, have yourself a stellar day.